Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark back with you, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I want to remind everyone that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. If you want to discuss your mental health and such, I recommend finding a mental health professional in the area to discuss your unique and personal issues. So today I have a very much a very big treat as well as I'm honest, I'm also a fanboy because I've been watching this person for a number of their various projects. Um, Recently, as if you've heard some of our other ones that recently come out, uh, I was at, able to attend San Diego Comic-Con, which is pretty much, as a geek, an item on my bucket list, which I finally got to do, and I got to also present there. But while I was presenting there, I also got to sit in on some other panels, and one of the big ones I sat in was called uh, POCs of Tabletop Roleplay, which had this individual at it. And today, we're going to be talking to B. Dave Walters. <sighs> <laughs> hey Dave. that's the Is dozens it? and the dozens of my fans cheering yes please continue oh, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> let the ego get bigger here uh-huh. hey Dave walters is a writer of dungeons dragons a darkened wish for idw publishing and for wizards of the coast he appears as victor temple on vampires masquerade la by night on geek and sundry as well as Chato on We Are Live Frontiers, a project on Alpha. Although I think some of those have changed, but mm-hmm. that's all we right. Are all all of there. that's on YouTube. Uh, up, update all of that to YouTube. But yes. Yep. He also appears as Imago in the Savage Marines and is a co-writer of episodes seven through twelve of that series. He also hosted hosted the rundown web series for 20th century fox and asked your bleak your black geek friend also on now probably found on youtube in addition to writing being a writer and co-producer of the electropunk comic series he is the winner of the be the next BeliefNet featured blogger contest for BeliefNet in the hope and inspiration category he is a featured panelist at san diego comic-con one and wondercon on the topics of spiritual themes in comics and media so welcome, B. Dave, to Untying Knots. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you all for having me. And as always, I ask the question, how did you get here? Uh, man, uh, the simplest answer is, you know, my, my mom was a geek. So these things have been a part of my life, all my life. Is superheroes, Star Trek, Star Wars, all those things. Return of the Jedi was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Um, I always wanted to be a writer, but went out into the professional world. Uh, I worked as a bodyguard for a long time, uh, and I started creating web content in 2009, mm-hmm. mostly motivational and inspirational type stuff. Uh, I went, um, a- again, uh, my buddy Damien Poitier hit me up for uh, Ask Your Black Geek Friend in 2017. Uh, he called me on a Wednesday. We shot the pilot on a Saturday. That Monday, Geek and Sundry said they want wanted the show uh but that was in march the show didn't actually go up until august played my first ttrpg on stream that december played a game of vampire the masquerade with jason carl which was his first time ever pl- running a game on stream and my first time ever playing a game on stream after that 
got cast in a bunch of stuff, then was able to make a bunch of my own stuff. And then it's pretty much now. <laughs> Very much. And I've watched as many of those as I had time for. Because Ask Your Bleak Geek Friend or Bleak Friend um, was one of the things that got me to subscribe to Geek and Sundry. And you I know, was watching, watching as many of those and you and Damien as much as possible. And uh, the, then you're an OG. Yeah. And Marquia too, who was with me on that panel that you saw. So it's mm-hmm. all, we've all, it's a, it's, it's been an, an interesting whirlwind five years. I tell people all the time, if I woke up tomorrow and it was still 2016 and none of this had happened, I would believe it. And I mean, in totality, I mean, the, 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 the motions broadly at everything, none of this had happened along with the things that have happened for me personally. So, mm-hmm. In addition to what's not in your bio is also the development you're doing on Into the Motherlands as well. Which, yes. Which I, I've helped, I've put in my money for kickstarting that. I've put in the kicks money for the Electropunk and your other project, which we can talk about a bit too. You got yeah. some of my cash in there. Well, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate your support. It literally makes it possible to, to do what I do. Yeah, lead developer for the Into the Motherlands TTRPG, um, which hopefully will be ready by next year's Gen Con, but uh, it's, it's more important that it be right than it be fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is the intent. Mm-hmm. Um, Electropunk uh, issue four of five is almost done. Hopefully the whole book will be done by November. At least that's what Jeff is telling me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Uh, my co-creator, uh, Jeff Wamister, is a director for DC Animated. He was at Comic-Con for the premiere of the new Green Lantern movie, Beware My mm-hmm. Power, that he directed. So... We're both pulled in a bunch of different directions, but we're, we're, we're making incremental progress. And, and I also have my documentary, Dear America, from a Black Guy. The hardest part about that, I know you'll be shocked to hear that making a movie alone in a pandemic is difficult. Uh, <laughs> shocked. Uh, but more than that, the world keeps getting wilder, so the story keeps changing. I keep having to adjust it to talk about things. So it's, uh, again, it's, I, I, I was fortunate that when I was very, very young, and I'm dating myself because I'm way older than I look. There was um, uh, when Legend of Zelda 64 was late. It was super late. It was like six months late. At Nintendo headquarters, they had a mural point painted on the wall. It said a late game is only late until it comes out and a bad game is bad forever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've, I've always kind of taken that that uh, ethos with me into the things I've done. It's like it's, it's good to get things out as quickly and as agilely as possible, but it is more important that it is something that you are proud of and can stand behind and will live forever on, on its own two legs. Which is lovely. And I think there's also an element in maybe it's one that's going to show up in your uh, project is also the aspect of the weight uh, that goes behind it being a very much a POC game. And the idea that it, sadly it's got to be perfect or twice as good to get half as much absolutely mm-hmm. if we if mm-hmm. we have one i not dotted one t not crossed is it there there is um a a rabble that have already per- pre-purchased their pitchforks and torches and it doesn't matter what we do you know so it's uh we have to be able to defend it as much as possible i mean most recently you saw this with the character of reva and obi-wan mm-hmm. in the just the the faux uproar after the first two episodes, and it's like mm, she's on screen for ten minutes, man. You know, that's that's not that's not what you're mad about. You know what I mean? Nope. Yeah, that's that's not what you're mad about, buddy. You know, and if you, you you need to, if that's truly even what you believe, you need to go take a long time on the mountaintop because I got some bad news for you. Yeah, even the same thing we've heard saw with uh, Namor with the Wakanda Forever. Yep. Uh, 
preview too. Not yep. to mention what we've also heard from people who have certainly concerns about the D uh, D Honor Amongst Thieves trailer and a certain creature of note. You know, it's one of those things. And of course, you know, that, that trailer dropped at Comic-Con. So everybody's asking mm-hmm. me about that. You know, how do you feel about a, a, a druid while shaping into an owlbear? And I'm like, if you think that's a deal breaker, you don't love Dungeons and Dragons. You know what I mean? You, you don't. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, if you're so far lost into being a neckbeard gatekeeper, and I guarantee you if that had been some other character, not the pretty girl doing that, you wouldn't have mm-hmm. heard nearly as much fluff about it. I personally said they should come out and be like, jokes on you. This is set in the 3.5 continuity and Druids can do anything. Where's your God now? You know, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's just, it's one of those things, man. It's like, I think that that's kind of the insidious nature of gatekeeping. And I talk about this all the time is the problem is in oftentimes it has, it starts innocently enough Mm -hmm. where, where you begin to, you know, I, I grew up during the satanic panic. I grew up when this content was not just lame, it was dangerous. And then it became lame, you know? Um, and so I, I've seen every iteration of this and I've seen it be countercultural. I, I very much remember where it's just like the kids in Stranger Things. When I met them, I told them the show you guys are acting in was my actual life with slightly mm-hmm. fewer monsters, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was a thing that you did to escape. And you begin mm-hmm. to to define yourself by those things. You define yourself being by somebody who plays D&D or reads comics or plays video games to the exclusion of the cool kids. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward and you find out that the cool kids, I'm giving air quotes, by the way, I realize you can't see me, but hopefully you can hear my air quotes. Either we're playing these things all along too or want to play them now. Mm-hmm. And when you're like, when this was my refuge to get away from you, you can't come here too, because if you have this thing, then what does that make me? Whereas the counterpoint is it's like, yeah, but if you have a candle and you use that candle to light someone else's candle, you haven't lost anything. You now have two candles that right. if this thing becomes big and popular, there will just be more of it for everybody. And that should be a good thing. Mm-hmm. More people loving the thing you love is a good thing, not a bad mm-hmm. thing. Oh, yeah. 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 I think it's from the therapy standpoint, I think it's always that concern that it's going to get diluted and diluted as opposed to the flame is just continuing to be a mass. And especially with the idea of someone's bringing in an idea like something shouldn't turn into an owlbear. But I always love the response being is like, well, that was the only mini that was available. (laughs) You know, that is friggin magic, man. Friggin Mm -hmm. magic, you know. It's if, if a player came to me today, first of all, you can do anything for flavor. Mm-hmm. If they were like, I'm a dinosaur druid and I want everything I wow shape into to be a, a dinosaur, I'd be like, dope. We'll take those existing stat blocks and we'll reskin them for flavor. I'll let you turn into monsters made out of candy. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, if that's what's going to be interesting to you, especially if it's not actually affecting the game mechanically, and maybe even if it's affecting the game mechanically, it's like, whatever, mm-hmm. you're there to have a good time. You're there to have a good time. Which would have made for a lovely way they could have flavor texted Chult more. Well, you know, my career exists. It's funny you talk about how I got here. My, my career in the tabletop space exists as it does because I was so vocally critical about Chult. 
<laughs> when when it came out, uh, we were doing Ask Your Black Geek Friend, and I mm-hmm. very much called out the fact that I was like, no black people worked on this book. None. You know, for the people that don't know, Chult is non-specifically D&D's Africa. When it came out in the 80s, it was racist as hell. You know, it, pygmies with bones through their nose, cannibals, mm-hmm. the, the, the whole, every, every bad dark continent trope. So when Tomb of Annihilation came out in 2017, uh, Chult came back and it was better, but this time it was this weird, like, post-colonial place where, like, the black people were kind of trying to pick up the pieces and still were, like, vaguely living into the trappings of their occupiers. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, this is a fantasy setting. You could have, the black people could have been on the moon. You could have done anything, and you did this. And I very much just called it out for being tone deaf. Not racist, because you don't know what you don't know, but tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In two Wizards Eternal Credit, their response was, you're right. There weren't any black people on this, and we will do better. And they have. Uh, they've worked with lots of different people since then, with me, with Tanya DePass, with Gabe Janes, and Mackenzie DeArmas. Uh, you know, people I could spend the rest of the day um, naming, you know, kind of culminating with books like The Radiant Citadel now that mm-hmm. is all expressly uh, diverse voices and diverse stories. So it, it's, been, it's been a good thing. Yeah, I know, because when it came, first came out, I... Uh... It inspired me to run and build my own Chult game, which I kept the Death Curse as a backstory, but I had an entirely different story. All my characters had to be from Chult. They were playing the variants there and built a ran for nearly four years uh, storyline before some things happened. But that was a joy. And that I've now sort of known as like, if I build another game, I'm probably building a Chult because I've built all the material for it. You should throw it up on the DMs Guild. It was a very different challenge. I was putting everybody through and building some history that was not even put into. Now, that's, that's something to consider because I had them on a much very different God scale battle situation with Dindar. Yeah. I also uh, kind of came up with my own answer to that that I've sort of kept in my back pocket. I've, I've played it at places like D&D in a castle and stuff, mm-hmm. but not really like publicly. Um, I keep kicking around at some, at some point I'll do it out on the big stage. We'll see. Which will be nice to see. Mm-hmm. So what is it like being the DM for so many, uh, and dungeon master for those who aren't familiar or game master for so many of these streams, especially for what you're doing with the black dice society. At the height of my Patreon, I was running between 35 and 40 games a month. Um, which I don't recommend. That's that. That's it. That's a lot. That's a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, it's funny when I did D and D in a castle in 2018, running two games a day was absolutely exhausting. And and then I, and then I built up to that. I tell people I went from like a, being a 10k runner to an ultra marathoner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the it's it's. I won't say it's effortless because that would be incorrect. But like right now at this exact second, if you said I've got the Obama family in the hallway and 2 million people are on Twitch ready to watch a game of D and D. Can you run it? I would say yes. <laughs> you know, like let's do it, whatever. It's just, it's gotten down. It's gotten down in my bones, you know? So it's, it's um, pretty, it, it, it is, it is very easy to do at this point and it helps because I love it. I love telling stories. That's, that's why I exist in so many arenas where I can, Right for film and television and comic books and graphic novels and, and run games and play games and, and all of these and write novels and short stories and all these things is I, I just love telling stories. Best you do and all the work you've done between these projects and 
touch. And then the uh, G4 television show, which sadly I haven't had a chance to watch because I don't think I have paid for that service. But it should, you know, I, I've I've gotten I've gotten differing answers. I I thought it was all on YouTube, but at least most of it's on YouTube, and everything that's not on YouTube is on the G4 Twitch. So I don't think any of that is uh, subscription gated. I don't oh. think. I was very proud of that, though, because we um, was the first D&D campaign on television. Um, And, you know, in the year in the year 2021, there's not a lot of first left. So Mm -hmm. getting to be the first to do something was um, very, very special and near and dear to my heart. Very nice. Very nice. So what was rest of San Diego Comic-Con like for you guys, for you and the others that were there? I saw I had 10 events between panels and games and everything so it literally every night i was out till two or three in the morning i didn't get home before two one time and i was up back at the con when it opened the next day for the for the run of it oh no wonder you're so exhausted it's a lot i mean and again we're about to do it again for gen con i I allowed myself well it it so happens i did i kept that pace for comic-con and my sister and my niece were visiting so my niece came back with me on the train sunday night and we entertained the entire week. They left on Saturday. I still had a charity game and some other things yesterday. So uh, I let myself sleep a little today, and I'm going to let myself sleep a little tomorrow. And then we're wheels up Wednesday for Gen Con. Do it all again. Well, you, you, you continue to show the statement of black doesn't crack. Yeah, man. You know, uh, well, but again, there, there's a moment. I know you you, you told us before, um, you mentioned earlier that uh, Comic-Con was a bucket list for you. This year was about, I'd say about 70 percent of the crowd, you know, pre pre pandemic um, was about 250,000 people would come in, 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 in the years prior. And there's a moment where you could come out of the hall at Comic-Con and just look in in every direction your eyes could see was just people it was mm-hmm. hu- it was human beings off into the horizon in every direction mm-hmm. and that's my like dragon ball z super saiyan moment of power you know to just like soak it all in you know it's been complicated now because as much as i still love being around people it's plague times and i'm all mm-hmm. like any, you know so i'm like be close to me but not that close to me say mm-hmm. hi do not touch me you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i was double masked the entire time that was a challenge bopping all around all out in the san diego heat with two masks on but that's what it took so oh yeah yeah i to be my first one it's like i could move around i'm perfectly happy with that as opposed to that wall-to-wall mass of people but i know also as i'm sort of while looking at this as a therapist i'm looking at the friends that are going out having a good time at this i'm watching the couples that are there having a date with for this weekend and this is also couples of multiple different age brackets, not just teenagers but mature couples too oh yeah i'm watching full families there and it's like okay this isn't we're not necessarily the problem we're all here of multiple different fandoms enjoying our time together there's a deeper personality issue with the ones that are gatekeeping being the trolls who are generating off of the conflict and all of this you know again it's those people have always been the overwhelming minority they're just the loudest you know Mm -hmm. um and i think the thing that bothers me the most is how many of them are bad faith actors that they don't actually care like i'd have more respect for you if you were just about that life of second edition D, and that really Mm -hmm. truly was the hill you wanted to die on you know i'd be like you're still wrong 
but at least you're, you know, you've got some, some integrity in your mm -hmm. wrongness. Mm -hmm. versus I'm just out here to antagonize, to be antagonistic. I'm like, nah, yeah. nah, it's, it's sad. You know? well, and then the other thing I also noticed is like the number of POC people amongst the crowd here enjoying this from the anime groups to mm -hmm. all the, whether you're Marvel or DC or Dungeons and Dragons and such mm -hmm. is like, there is a, I would say a much better representation of us at Comic-Con as opposed to some of the smaller things I've gone to. Absolutely. I mean, and I think people lose track of the fact that we were always here. We were here from the beginning. You know, mm -hmm. um, it, it's you know, black people are 17% of the country. I mean, I think we've been 17% of most fandoms mm -hmm. this entire time. If you plot it on a graph, you know, so um, I mean, obviously sports like football, basketball, baseball, like anything physical, I think we, we, we represent at a much higher rate. But in terms of right. just being into stuff, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, pe people lose track of the fact that cyberpunk was created by Mike Pondsmith. That's a black man, you know, mm -hmm. like, I mean, so we've been here from the jump. Very much so. I'm curious then with all the work that you've done and such, how do you think the fandom, the creativity, all of that has affected your mental health? So, I mean, I, by my nature, am relatively unflappable at the hardest point in my entire life i came across the meditations by marcus aurelius mm -hmm. and i read that when i realized that everything he was writing was how i saw my life how i saw life and tried to live anyway so it's like almost stoicism is sort of my default approach mm -hmm. i mean I, i've i've studied and practiced buddhism very heavily but my nature is to be non-attached if that makes sense you know just stuff rolls off of me pretty easily, um, which has helped a lot uh, because he, a lot of the challenges that friends of mine have had, like, for instance, like I have no concept of imposter syndrome that, that never registers in my consciousness because I know I, because of two things. I know how hard I work to get to this place and everything that I've sacrificed. And I also know that it's a blessing. It's it's it's, it's completely random, you know, that that I the right doors have opened at the right time. And I, I was fortuitous enough to be able to walk through them. And I operate from a place of gratitude. I operate from the fact that I still, that I'm very lucky to do what I do and I'm so incredibly grateful to do what I do. Um, and I think that that buffets me in particular in, in, in a lot of ways. But it, um, I don't know, I, I, I was in the corporate world, the, the, the very grimy, cutthroat corporate mm -hmm. world so the drama that comes in this place and it does happen is like meaningless to me you know mm -hmm. it's, it's it's meaningless to me so I, i'm just enjoying the ride and i wish that more of us could learn have, have learned that will learn that will experience that uh, yeah as we go on so i think that's a great place for us to be able to go ahead and take a break here so stay tuned, people, and we're going to be back here on Untying Knots with B. Dave Walters. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist. So we're going on soon. Be right Don't go back. nowheres. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. 
Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Okay, folks, welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with actor, creator, writer, B. Dave Walters. So... <laughs> Yep. Again. So in our break, we were just talking a bit more about gaming and so forth. And one of the things we had both had an interest in was the Wadu. Wadu. My dyslexia is getting better of me. Uh, Hmm. Chronicles. And we're talking about especially the moth people. Yeah, um, uh, Wadu Chronicles was a uh, again. It was a is a Afrocentric. fifth edition expansion it's it's D, but with um uh drawing heavily on uh african uh mythology and stories and highly recommended it. it's uh it's out now you can get it as uh, w-a-g-a-d-u wagadu chronicles um highly recommended great stuff and you you and several others did do a uh episode of it back in the early parts of the pandemic as i recall too we did yeah um we did a uh a one shot um to to help with the launch on a black water rpg if i recall uh mm-hmm. alicia marie tj storm um i don't remember everybody else i'm not intentionally trying to, to leave anybody out but i mean i've played literally hundreds of games since then <laughs> the names but, and the characters yeah. blur mm-hmm. not the ones but, you're looking for but i did play one of those i did play one of the moth people mm-hmm. in my yep which led to a question that came up in my own home game was the aspect of some of my players were asking, so where are the elves in this? And I said, and I basically said, oh, wait, I'm, I am bringing them in. But there's also that classic problem of historical and shall we say the knuckle draggers who don't see elves are something that exists around the world. They're just not going to appear all the same way. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, uh, there's nothing at all wrong with Eurocentric fantasy. Uh, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't be where I am in life without Eurocentric fantasy, but it is by no means the only um, fantasy. Fantasy, uh, um, uh, not aesthetic, but the, uh, the the word that I'm looking for is is eluding me right now. Um, but it, it is not the only um, context or backdrop for stories. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering then, with that being contact, what do you see as being some of the future for developing more settings and stories that do not depend purely on that aesthetic? I I, I think the key is to get more and more people um, telling their stories. Like uh, in the panel that you came to, Mackenzie Darmus talking about how mm-hmm. important it was to tell these. Uh, stories from of of the islands of the philippines and stuff and and be told by those people that care about those things even something like miss marvel 
being able to be told by people of a Pakistani mm-hmm. Muslim background that care mm-hmm. about those things, uh, mm-hmm. because that is how you get the proper nuance in in juice into what you're doing. And then you're allowed to let it be out there and live and let other people enjoy it. I think mm-hmm. as more and more marginalized voices are lifted up, we'll get more and more things. I mean, there, there's always, always, always going to be room for Legolas, Gimli and Aragorn, you know, always. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, uh, it, it is not taking away from those things. It is adding more things to it. Yeah. Yeah. So only somebody else is enjoying them. They're still living on. Yep. And that's Absolutely. the flame expanding, the flame expanding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when you're doing all the writing process, when you're like for dark and wish and so forth, mm-hmm. and I know this also gets into what you're talking about, Marcus Aurelius, where does, what is that process like for you in writing and coming up with the ideas about that? So again, the part of the reason why I say uh, I can do what I do is because I understand story and what makes a story a story um, in the sense that there are 8 billion human beings in this world, uh, but all things being equal, we're still made from the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. we have heart, lungs, you know, spine, brain uh, that, that combine into an, an infinite assor- assortment of combinations so i understand the brains and the bones and the central nervous system of what makes a compelling narrative with a beginning middle and end you know Mm -hmm. and um and that is why so when i sit down to do things it becomes more about the format like on one end you have a screenplay a screenplay is a blueprint the goal of a screenplay for a film or television is to include the least amount of information possible to get across your point because the directors, the producers, the actors, the set designers, all these people are going to take that and make something out of it. At the extreme other end of the spectrum is a novel, where a novel can have anything. You could spend 10 pages uh, talking about what it's like to eat a ham sandwich if you want. You probably shouldn't, but you could. Um, You can talk about, um, like, even though George R.R. Martin is dead to me, and he is, in the... Feast for Crows, I think, is where the Red Wedding actually takes place, I think. Um, Might be a Storm of Swords. And you get that story from Caitlin Stark's point of view. And it goes all the way down to describing how it feels when she gets her throat cut, feeling the the knife scrape against the bones of her neck. You know, Uh, you can't have that in any other medium except that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where then it's like comic books are somewhere in between. Where unless you are the writer and the artist, and I cannot draw to save my life, um, if it's not in the script, it will not be on the page. So you have to take the time to specify every single thing. This frame, it's this way. You know, um, the way I work with my artists, I try to give them a lot of liberty in the sense that I'm like, I want to get across that he hits him really hard and knocks him into that uh, car, you know? Mm -hmm. Where you want to set the camera in that frame, I don't care, you know. Um, but I, with the way I write fight scenes, I write them in extreme detail because I'm trying to get across revealing who the characters are by how they fight. Mm-hmm. The fact that uh, one person comes straight forward and hits while the other one slides low and tries to, like, trip you is telling you something about who they are. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of thing is important to me. But, you know, Tess... Tess Fowler, when we were working on A Dark and Wish, she gets so mad at me because I'd be like a group of goblins attacks. And she's like, how many? I'm like, as many as you want them to be. 
And she's like, well, I need you to tell me. I'm like, I don't know what you got time for. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? It's a grip of goblins, you know, a gaggle of goblins. That's what I want. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. It's if you understand the concept, applying that concept to the format is not so difficult. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So when does it, as you talk about having the bones and applying those concepts, how does it feel bringing in that spiritual component to the story? I'm of the opinion. Let me tell you a different story. I had a, con- a conversation with Pastor Fred Price, who is the pastor of a pretty big church here. And he's a big sci-fi head. He, he, lo- mm-hmm. he loves the walking dead. He loves all that stuff. And he was talking to me and he's like, we're going to make Christian sci-fi movies. And I'm like, let me stop you right there. Your movie's going to be garbage. And he's like, well, I'm like, if you set out to make an ideological statement, first and foremost, your film will fail and it will not be good. You have to tell a compelling story with compelling characters that the audience gives a damn about. Mm-hmm. And if you can weave a spiritual message through there at the same time, you will be successful. You know, you take a movie like Avatar, the, mm-hmm. the James Cameron Avatar, not the the cinematic hate crime that was The Last Airbender. Yeah, it, we don't speak of that one. The, it's it's incredibly spiritual. You know, the 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 relationship that they have with the planet. You know, the 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 soulless corporate interests and all. That. Mm-hmm. I mean, James Cameron is is preaching to you the entire time, but he doesn't have to just get a bullhorn and and, and say this blast to in you. your face. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I, I, I always point to Captain America in the Avengers where he's like, they're gods. And he's like, there's only one God, sir. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that and jumps out of the plane. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, you don't need anything else. You don't need him to be like, you know, to, to, to pull out a book of scripture and start reading about it. You know, it's, you can, you can get, or again, Miss Marvel did this wonderfully by weaving the fact that they are Muslims into it being an aspect of their life, a very important aspect of their lives and cultures and who they are, but not the sole defining characteristic mm-hmm. of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way you get that across to people. Because, I mean, as much as I love Doctor Who, for many years, I argued that Doctor Who was the greatest show on television. I don't really argue that anymore because they've, they've had some bumpy seasons. But that was one of the things when Chris Chibnall took over, even though I truly loved the 13th Doctor. Mm-hmm. It got so heavy handed and preachy and there was times I'm like, I agree with the thing you're sermonizing about. Right. And I'm like, yo, okay. All right. You know, you're at a 10. We need you at a six, you know, it's so. It, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also a Dr. Who fan. And I will say, and this is a conversation I had with another therapist who's also a Dr. Who fan. We were looking also at the nature of what was developed in that series and his aspect of, where we could see a bend up. Yep. You got yours. You know, I grabbed my sonic screwdriver, Mm y'all. And here's mine. Unfortunately, it doesn't, uh, doesn't, the the battery needs to be replaced. Once you finish your thought, I'm going to tell you a story about this sonic screwdriver. (laughs) But, um, we were looking at what they revealed in the storyline and we could see, and something that we see with clients actively is the aspect of essentially the, the detached parent and how that influences (laughs) what they're doing out there in the world that sense of the doctor traveling and being kind but also saving people Mm -hmm. and it's that aspect that was missing from the relationship with the 
introduced parent figure that only saw them as an experiment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it's funny for people that watch my content. Anytime we uh, like somebody will like sing a song or mention a story, I'll always be like legally distinct, you know, legally mm -hmm. distinct. And there's a game called Changeling the Dreaming, which is about fake characters. And there's a, there's a group of them that are called knockers and knockers can build absolutely anything, but there's always something wrong with it. Like there's a catastrophic flaw to the thing. Mm -hmm. It will do what you want it to do, but it will also do something else you do not want it to do. It's a monkey paw. Mm -hmm. And so um, the character created a multi-tool and I kept referring to it as their legally distinct acoustic spanner. And I would pick up my sonic screwdriver and I'd be like, you can use your legally distinct acoustic spanner. Turns out, the head of licensing for Doctor Who was in chat watching us that day. <laughs> Completely at random. You know what I mean? And they thought it was funny and it wasn't a big deal. But I'm like, if I just been like Sonic Screwdriver, Sonic Screwdriver, you got a Sonic Screwdriver. I'm like, well, that's how you get sued into dust. So right, <laughs> be right. mindful, kids. You never know who's watching. Right. And that always becomes that aspect of people throwing out suggestions, even with what we've talked about here in the games. Yes, you can create your own story and show people. You don't have to just follow the manual. You just use the setting and you build off of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Your table, your rules. Exactly. So I think this is a good place where we could start with uh, my classic question is, what do you think is one of the myths about mental health? And then we can talk about the realities around it. Myths of mental health in general or particularly in this space? Uh, well, whether it's of the geekdom or as people of color, just, which one strikes you as being something that well, we can talk about it? Let me speak to both because mm -hmm. um, they're two very different answers. Mm -hmm. I've given the example to people multiple times that if you broke your leg or if you had cancer, you would not be embarrassed about going to the doctor. So if you are suffering and you are struggling, you should not be embarrassed mm -hmm. about seeking help. Mm-hmm. The reality is life is incredibly difficult. Life has always been difficult. Quite frankly, life is way more difficult for some of us than others. And now in the time of the pandemic, you know, one of the arguments that I've always made is that human beings are innately good. And one of the things that I always point to is what is the single worst punishment we can visit upon a person? What's the worst thing we can do to someone? Solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. The worst humans, the worst supermax, the worst thing you can do is go be by yourself. And over the last two and a half to three years, so many of us did that. And I, and I fully expect in another 10 years or so, we'll have all kinds of new diagnoses for conditions of you know, post-pandemic separation disorder or mm. whatever it's going to be called. And, you know, Black people in general, historically, have had to reject this because, quite frankly, across our history, we haven't had the luxury of being depressed. Mm -hmm. It was, yeah, you're sad. We're all sad. Get up and go to work. And that is become our, our, our ethos. And it was a survival mechanism to just not break, no matter mm -hmm. how sad and miserable we were. I was talking to my sister about this over the weekend because you know, I'm, I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. We grew up on gospel music and I still love gospel music. But if you actually listen to what they're saying in those songs, it's always things like, or not always, but frequently things like God's going to help you pay the rent. 
-hmm. You know, God is going to deliver you out of your struggles because historically that was where we went for our mental health care, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether or not those people were even remotely qualified to offer it. And so I think the most important thing, let me say one other different example. There's a UFC fighter last weekend, a guy named Patty Pimblett, who won and took his time on the mic to say that his friend had killed himself. And he just wishes that men would speak up and say when you're hurting, because men, I I think the the statistic is men commit suicide three times as much as women Mm -hmm. or something like that. And have more success at it. Exactly. Well, because there's just the stigma of you're supposed to tough it out, you know, and just just tough it out. And he said, I would rather you cry on my shoulder than go to your funeral next week. And man, I'm here to tell you, all your friends feel that way. All your Mm -hmm. friends feel that way. They would rather you break down sobbing than find you in a bathtub. A hundred percent. And if they would, if they don't want that, I want that. You, you, if you're hearing my voice, my DMs on Twitter are open. You know, if you just need somebody to talk to and vent to, you can talk to and vent to me. You know, it's, there's no point in suffering in silence. And I will say though, curveball, I fully understand a lot of you are in environments where you may not have that support. You may not have a loving spouse that will listen. You may not have loving family but resources exist you know that's one of the one of the charities that i do the most work with is the the wave rape crisis center and it's funding a cry a 24-hour worldwide crisis line for people that just need someone to talk to usually in the framework of sexualized violence but not always you know in in the i, I will say the last thing and i'm going to stop monologuing is to believe that if you're struggling something's wrong with you if you're struggling that you're weird some of us truly have different brain chemistry and you just cannot control that you know if if your brain is not producing the hormones that make it physically possible to be happy that's not on you and there's no shame in taking medication there's also plenty of people who you don't necessarily have some biological issue but maybe you've got traumatic past that hasn't been released or worked through or literally everything going on in the world today that can hurt anybody mm-hmm. if you're in pain please speak up and talk to somebody and that's what we try to do as therapists and mental health professionals sadly there is not as many of us as there's actually needed because then let's be frank that also gets into that aspect of someone would rather take their life than cry or rather than see a therapist, well, there's also the need for us to be for, to support the idea of people becoming therapists and working in this field and being able to have a livelihood. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it it it's it's tough, and I mean, this is one of the this is one of the real struggles of the medical system that we have here in America versus you know the medical resources that exist in other countries. You know, that, that, um, I mean, so much, let me caution this because a lot of times, every time there's a mass shooting and right wingers are like, it's a mental health issue. That's bullshit deflection. But, but a lot of crime, when you start digging, okay, it comes down to drugs and alcohol. Okay. You dig through that. Well, it's self-medicating. It's self-medicating for pain. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be worked through in different ways. You know, mm-hmm. if if there just were 
more resources and less of a stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've known many people, mostly black people, but many people that just would straight up say, if I talk to someone, that means I'm crazy. Right. You know, and it's like, mm, not at all. Because again, if you dropped a bowling ball on your foot today, you wouldn't limp around for six months. No. You go see somebody. Well, you, you know? probably wouldn't be able to walk either. Exactly. Exactly. So there's no shame in it. That's, that's just, I, I guess the reality is life is both too short and way too long to suffer needlessly. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, we try to have the stuff that brings us joy, like playing a game, reading a comic book, watching a movie, and dreaming elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, escapism, escapism has its place, you know? It's, uh, but uh, there, there's a lot of um, uh, therapeutic applications of things like D&D, like mm-hmm. um, the... Um, my friend, Dr. Janina Star- Scarlett, uh, Dr. Megan McConnell, and the people over at Clinical Role, the people mm-hmm. at Game to Grow, are all working in this arena of uh, therapeutic applications of this stuff. Um, it's when I was doing my aforementioned Patreon, I by no means marketed it as a therapeutic outlet, nor did I intend it to be as such. But I can't tell you how many people overcame real human trauma in, 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 in shyness or, or think just by the things their character faced and over, overcame again and again and again, something in them. Cause that's what people don't realize is, yeah, this is all just make believe, but your brain has no concept of make believe hmm. to your mind. This is your mind does not know the difference between what is real and what is vividly imagined. And the example I always give is you can, have a fantasy, a very vivid fantasy in your mind, and you will have a physiological reaction to it because mm-hmm. your body doesn't know you're making it up. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but that cuts both ways. Worry is the same way. That's why worry mm-hmm. is such an insidious habit that, you know, it puts all the strain and taxation on your body and mind and soul and spirit right now for things that may or may not happen, you know. But when we go on these adventures and we have these grand encounters and we slay these dragons and make these memories with our friends the reason why it resonates so much is because in your mind it happened Mm -hmm. you know that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of role play Mm -hmm. so last question i'm going to have before we wrap up and Mm -hmm. nick this is like what do you have for advice for those who want to seek streaming uh being actual plays just advice what advice would you give them for can doing what we're what you do so if you go to my twitter right now b dave walters pinned right at the top a couple of weeks ago i did webinars on how to do what i do i did a webinar on how to be a pro player one on how to be a pro dungeon master uh in one uh just a combined session on both now as i understand this i believe you are hearing my voice in the future on halloween to which i say happy halloween Mm -hmm. there's a chance that it's not the pin tweet anymore. I don't know what's going to happen between here and there. But if you search B. Dave Walters in, in webinar or DM me, I will send you a link to it. That's uh, uh, I spent many hours laying it out. So <laughs> I will point you to that. Yeah, maybe it's time for a website. Hey, maybe. 
I had mm-hmm. one way. I had one way back when. Ugh. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's probably some uh, person out there with the skills who would love to help work with that. And I'm sure even some of the uh, organizations you're working with will probably be able to do that. But that's a discussion for a different time. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I can HTML code and stuff. It's just all. Oh. That is, it is, is not my jam. It's like, it's like what, you know, when Charlie Brown would do his homework, mm-hmm. his tongue stuck out, like he's concentrating so hard. That's how I mm-hmm. am with coding. <laughs> right. And that's when it's time to delegate like any, good, correct. Any good general and any Cor- good business person. Sometimes correct. you have to delegate. So is there any other places you want people to be able to reach you at? Uh, again, uh, the, follow me on the tweetograms at B. Dave Walters, Twitter, Instagram. I'm very rarely on Facebook anymore. I just discovered like a week ago that I keep saying my DMs are open and people have been messaging me on Twitter for like 18 or Facebook for like 18 months and I had no idea. So Twitter is the best place. Oh, okay. That's a backlog. I don't want to think about. Mm, it's, it's significant. Yes. Well, I want to thank you for coming on and being a part of this and Look forward to watching the, by the time this airs, Black Dice Society will be over, but very much looking forward to the ending of that and whatever you go on to do next. But I hope you take a break. You know, it's, I have this reputation for just going, going, going and never sleeping and all of that. And quite frankly, it's true. But I have been making a a concerted effort lately to be like, today is a day of rest. You know, tomorrow is a day of rest. Because here's the thing. If you don't take a break, your body will take it for you and probably at a very inopportune time. Mm -hmm. So if you can, after this Gen Con, take a break. I mean, I got like a week and then I'm going to England to do this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere along the way. Good. Mm -hmm. Good. (laughs) So if anything, you can also say a therapist has recommended you do that as you're your get out of job your signed off medical there it is for that there it is you know i I got a doctor's note (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly so b dave thank you again and uh this has been untying knots i'm perry clark licensed spiritual family therapist and i hope you're well and roll those dice and get a 20. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.